Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's message by Pastor Paul Kern. I am so thankful for our Run for God group. You guys are awesome, bringing health and Jesus to our church. We get both so good. So thankful for Brenda. And man, I'm excited about this biblical citizenship class. We want to really encourage everyone to get involved in that. Um, It's just important that we understand that um, we have an involvement in the process of electing godly leadership in our country, and we have a vision uh, for that. Well, I'm looking forward to the message today. Guys, we are moving into a new year, brand new. It's just hard to believe. It's like last year, how did it go so fast? And now we're at the end of January already. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, I think as I get older, time speeds up. But I'm excited about our new year. Josh and, and Tim and I are so excited about the content that we're going to be bringing, talking about the God kind of life. And this word, Zoe, as you came into our auditorium, as you come through these double middle doors, if you look up, you'll see the vision uh, for our year. And those of you that are new, Uh, Each year, we get direction for where God is taking our church. We just don't want to get up here and just, okay, what are we doing? You know, we've got a vision. We hear from the Lord. Where is God taking us? And this year, we're going to be talking a lot about the Zoe life, the God kind of life, and what that looks like. In John 10.10, Jesus said that he was sent by his Father that he would bring us life and that that life would be what? Help me. More abundant more abundant, not more boring, or more miserable, right? But more abundant. It's positive. It's good. God's got good things for us. And so the emphasis this year is God has a a, a way that life works, and we've got to get, you know, really synchronized with that. And if we do, there's a synergy that is created in our life and we can experience the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. So we're going to be talking a whole lot about that this year. And I, I preached Wednesday at our midweek service and gave a little preview to what I'm going to be talking about this morning. If you didn't get to hear that, you can go back and listen and certainly hear uh, Pastor Tim's message that he did for the vision at the beginning of the year. It was really, really good laying a groundwork. But just like a, a manufacturer of a car, the manufacturer of a motorcycle, or the manufacturer of an of an appliance, there is a pre-designed plan for that product. There is a way that that product is meant to work. And as a matter of fact, most mechanics and repair places, the reason that those things arrive at their doorstep broken is usually because there was misuse that was involved or a misunderstanding of the intention that that piece of equipment was supposed to do, or it wasn't maintained in the way that it was supposed to be maintained, and therefore it broke down. And so they give owner's manuals with products. You know, my my truck came with a pretty big one, and um, I try to follow everything that it says because um, cars are expensive, amen? (laughs) Wow, they're really expensive. And you know, we want them to last as long as they possibly can with the least amount of cost to us, breakdowns, you know, we want, we want them to be a blessing to us. 
So that's why we follow what they do. Well, just like with any product, God has blessed us with these bodies, and He wants us to do life His way, and that way, if we will, doesn't mean you won't ever have breakdowns, just like anything in life. We live in a fallen world, but if we will do our best to follow the instruction manual, we will have the least amount of problems and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus brought for us to live. Now, one of the things that Jesus tells us, if we will abide in Him and the owner's manual will abide in us, right, we will bear much fruit, so to speak. I mean, that's, you know, I took a little liberties there, but you guys know what I'm talking about. So God has a way that He's designed life to work. He, God has set into motion a predetermined plan for life to be lived. And, and, and all created things work within this instruction, okay? Think about it. Trees, plants, they, within that seed, there is encoded instruction on how that tree is supposed to work. And they, they follow this predetermined plan of the instructions within the seed and within the seasons that God has set. Birds, animals, <clears throat> reptiles, fish of the sea, they all have these encoded sequences placed inside of them. You know, you, you think about animals and birds, it's all led by instinct. It's all been pre-programmed and pre-wired with inside of them. People, there's DNA, very complex. It's just huge amounts of data and instructions. As a matter of fact, God goes so far to say that I have placed my word within them, right? That they might know me and follow me. And so all of God's creation has been pre-programmed and, and created so that it would flow within a, a design, amen, a, a plan. Now, here's the difference between trees, plants, animals, birds, reptiles, and people. All of those things that God created outside of man do not have a free will. We do. And that is why lots of times we don't follow the plan because our sinful nature gets us thinking, it tricks us into thinking that we have a better way. And we follow that plan in that way. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You know, a lot of people follow their hearts. They follow their desires. And that is not always the best thing to do because we have a fallen nature and that fallen nature will lead us off of the path that God has for us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I want to look at this with you. Matthew chapter 7. We're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 7 quite a bit this morning. It's a great chapter. I definitely recommend you spend some time reading it. But Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, it says, You can enter God's kingdom only... Everybody say only, through the narrow gate. Now, the highway to hell is broad. 
Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, Zoe life, abundant life, is narrow and the road is difficult and only few ever find it. Now, this is Jesus talking. Now, go down to verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise. Like a person who builds their house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. It's like a person who built his house on sand. When rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, rains and storms and stuff come to everybody, the righteous and the unrighteous. It's very clear just because you have given your heart to Jesus doesn't mean you're not ever going to experience any problems or storms. You're going to experience them. That's, we live in a fallen world. That's just what happens. But the difference is, is your life will flourish and those who don't build their life upon the teachings of Jesus, they're going to have a crash. I had a crash. 23, I crashed. I mean, I crashed and burned bad because I was trying to do life my way. It didn't work. It didn't produce what God wanted to produce in my life. So we have to understand finding God's will and walking in God's will is the key to Zoe life. That's the only way you can experience, you can't experience any other way. Pastor Tim was talking about this. You know, we all look for different things that we think are going to make us happy and fulfill us and make us feel good. And then we find out ultimately those things only leave us empty wanting more. So we find God's will by walking in his will. And it's important to understand just because you're a Christian and you go to church doesn't guarantee you that you're going to experience the God kind of life. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been here for a very long time, I mean, a long time, and I've seen lots of people come, and I've seen lots of people go, and I've seen people who have sat under the same word, in the same teaching, in the same worship that I've sat under, and now they're not following Jesus anymore. I, I've watched people sit under the same teaching and the same word that I have and then they walk out the doors of the church as soon as church is over, and they're in a fight about where they're going to go to lunch, and the Zoe life has been robbed from them. There's no peace. Are y'all seeing this? See, so just because you show up to church, hey, I congratulate you, you're here. That's an awesome thing that you're here. But to experience the Zoe life, it's going to require more than just sitting in a seat more than just coming in attendance, although we encourage that because it's a commandment. The Bible says don't miss church. You're supposed to be at church, and so we understand the importance of that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, this is, a, this is one of those scriptures that's kind of hard to read, kind of tough. It says, not everyone who calls me Lord Jesus... Or, you know, everyone who says, I'm a Christian. I think we could easily interpret it that way without veering from the intended purpose. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, those who, what? Break God's law. And I said this in the midweek service, but there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be dreadfully disappointed at Judgment Day because they think they're getting in and they don't get in. You know, I remember my wife telling me when we first met and we came to Applied Life Leaders Academy because we both came to our internship here and we both met. She had come from another uh, Bible college that she had been in, and um, it was a, a really large Bible college, and it was a very well-known ministry at that time, and most all of their sermons were televised, and, you know, their, the pastor and the, the guy who started the college was very well-known, and he uh, preached every Sunday, and lots of times he would preach at their school, and I mean, this guy was, he was powerful, he was anointed, God was using him, miracles, prophecy, I mean, operating in the gifts, I mean, just doing all kinds of amazing things, and yet all the while, he's, he's visiting prostitutes and looking at pornography. And it all comes out, and he gets exposed, and of course, she checks out of school, and, and a whole lot of other people did, and, and it, it's really sad that all of that happened, and, and I hate that all of that happened to him and his family and everybody that was involved in that ministry. But church, we have to understand the gifts and the callings of God. You know, we look at somebody who's operating in those types of giftings, prophesying and casting out demons and performing miracles. We, we look at those kinds of people and go, wow, man, they're, they're like the upper echelon of the spiritual people. You know, those are the mature spiritual people. But what we have to understand is that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And what that means is, is that God isn't going to give you a gift to operate in, and then when you sin, he takes it back from you. That's not how God works. You can operate in the gifts and callings of God and live in sin. That is possible. There's a lot of people who have done it and people who are doing it. And that's why Jesus said right here, because in our minds we're thinking, how could somebody do those kinds of things? And then on judgment day, Jesus says to them, I don't know who you are. And it's because, it's not because God is mean. It's because once again, like I said, there is a predetermined plan. It's woven into the fabric of God's creation, and God wants us to experience His best blessings. But the only way that is going to happen is we're going to have to do it His way, right? The God kind of life. So, what does this life look like? What does doing God's will and being in God's will look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you. The answer is this. The will of God, you being in the will of God, is a total surrender of your will to God's will. That's what the will of God looks like for us. Jesus said to pray this way. Your kingdom come, who's? God, the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on as it is. 
See, that's the prayer. Now, that prayer was to encompass an overall attitude of life. Not necessarily that we would memorize that and stand up in church and repeat it, and it doesn't mean anything to us whatsoever, and we're not really paying attention to what we're saying. No, it was an overall attitude of life. It was a heart attitude, a way that we govern and live our life. See, God wants our frame of mind to be whatever we think, wherever we move, whatever we desire, to be exactly what He desires. And that's how we're connected with Him. Go with me to John 15. Let's look at this together. John 15, and as you're going there, let me just say this. The, the problem is, is our sinful nature tricks us into thinking that doing it our way is going to be more fulfilling and make us more happy than doing it God's way. It, just, it tricks us. We've all been tricked by our sinful nature. And another reason that I think we oftentimes don't want to do it God's way, and especially if you're kind of new to Christianity, I think we've seen a lot of religion do it man's way. I remember when I first got introduced to Christianity and, you know, it wasn't really about relationship. It was more about a bunch of do's and don'ts. You can't go here and you can't, you can't dip that and you can't smoke that and you can't drink that and you can't wear that. And you got to cut your hair short. And you got to make sure you wear a skirt that goes down to the ground and you can't wear makeup and you, you can't go here. And, you can't, and, and it was just a whole bunch of legalism and there, you know, in my mind, okay, there's nothing abundant about that. That's boring. That's not, there's nothing good, fun. That's, con okay, what, what does the God kind of life look like and how do we experience? Well, Jesus told us in John 15, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. That's the word. Remain in me. Say that with me. Remain in me. And what? I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my father. Verse 9, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. Well, how do we do that? Well, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as my, I obeyed my Father's commandments and I remain in His love. I've told you these things so that you may be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The will of God for us is to abide in Him, to abide in this. You know, Josh talks about this a lot. This is really a central message you know, because I, th I, I think about the different leadership here and, and, and the, the word that God puts in our hearts. And we all have a word that God gives us. And I really feel like that's a word that Josh brings to us a lot. And I appreciate that word because that word abiding in the Lord is where we're going to experience this Zoe life. 
This is where it's all going to cultivate from. It all stems and flows from that source. So the will of God, if you're a young person in here today, the will of God for your life is for you to abide in him. This is where Zoe life flows from. Now, the will of God, once again, is not a bunch of legalistic do's and don'ts. But you have to understand that if your heart is not in the right place, even the Zoe life can feel like a bunch of do's and don'ts. Does that make sense? See, if you can either be this spirit-led person, this Zoe life-led person, or you can be this carnal-led person. You know, think of it this way. If a shepherd has sheep in a fence pen, the fence pen in the shepherd's mind is to protect the sheep. And any sheep that has the heart of the shepherd, they're going to appreciate the confinements of the fence because they recognize that keeps the wolves out. But if they don't have the heart of the shepherd, they could have the thought, this is keeping me from being able to go out and do what I want to do. And they just don't put an emphasis on the fact that there are wolves out there that want to get you. See, that's the difference between, that's the difference between a have to and a want to. See, the, the, the law-led life or the spirit-led life. In the law-led life, they wake up every day and, and they're not happy about following God because it's just a bunch of lists and rules and they feel condemned and they feel guilty because they never measure up and they, they don't feel like they're worthy of anything. And, and then those who the Spirit-led life, they wake up and they appreciate God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness and God's forgiveness and they have a relationship with their Father and it's wonderful and it's awesome and they can't wait to wake up and do their day with God. See the difference? See, the will of God is for us to abide in him. Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but get, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And, and we hear that and we say, okay, I can't be like the world. I can't go to parties. I can't drink. I can't have fun. I got to go to church all the time. We read that first part we think the wrong thing because our sinful natures trick us into thinking that. Because I, I used to be this guy. This is what I thought. But what I didn't focus on is the second part of the verse. Romans 12, 2, part B says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Get this, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. See, God's will for us is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's good for us, it's pleasing to us, and it's perfect. It doesn't get any better. See, God's will for you is good. God's will is not negative. The Zoe-led life is a spirit-led life. It's not a law-led life. It's not a legalism-led life. The spirit-led life does not consist of a long list of do's and don'ts. I remember when um, it, it was pretty close when I got saved. I was probably, I got saved when I was 23, and so it was probably when I was around 22. I, 
I, you know, I was feeling a little guilty about how I was living my life, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the women and the, all the lying and the stealing and the cheating, all the stuff that I was doing. I started to feel kind of bad about it. And I had a buddy of mine that was a, a pretty big drug dealer in our town that I hung out with. And um, he, he, he and I, you know, you have those moments where you're, well, maybe you don't know. Hopefully you don't know. If those of you who come from my background, you probably know. If you don't know, good, you don't ever want to know. But, you know, we were sitting around drinking, smoking, and for whatever reason, we started, you know, kind of feeling guilty about our lives. And we were like, you know, we probably need to, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. And um, he said, well, my grandmother, she's got a church. It's out, you know, in the country, not a lot of people there. We can go to that church. So we decided that we were going to go to church, and so we got up that Sunday, and, and we went to church, and we were rough. <laughs> we were rough. Oh, We were those kind of people that, you know, like, if we came walking up to your church, the security would be on alert. Like, security guys would be like, uh, we got some people coming through the front door. Y'all pay attention. You know, like, be ready. We might have to take them down. And when we came up to the front door, there was this little lady. She was sitting on this stool. <laughs> we were getting ready to walk in, and she stopped us and said, um, now, you boys, now, y'all can't come in here looking like that. Now, if y'all want to come in here, we're going to have to get that hair cut off that collar. And she had a pair of scissors there with her and a little, little thing in her hand. She could drape it around you. Our hair was, I had hair. I had hair. And it was long and curly. It was like down to here. And my friend, his hair was even longer than that. Y'all wouldn't believe it. Pastor Tim had a lot of hair too, by the way. He was like a hippie, man. He had a lot of hair. Well, she was like, no, you, you can't come in here with your hair touching your collar. You're going to get your hair cut. Well, we turned around and we gave her the, the sign. And it wasn't the peace sign. And we went and got in our car and left. See, we just, we just get confused on what the God kind of life looks like. And here's the thing about it, church. You know, okay, we're going to button our collar. We're going to get it all buttoned up tight. And we're going to wear our skirt down here. And we're not going to have any makeup. And we're not going to dance and, and we're not, we're not going to go to those places, and we're not going to do any of that. You know, not, 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 don't, don't, don't. And we're going to feel holy. Because we, we can credit our flesh. Look at me. But, you know, that does nothing to deal with the jealousy in our hearts the envy in our hearts, the anger in our hearts, the sin, the lust in our hearts. I just think we like doing that because it's a whole lot easier to button our collar and not wear makeup than it is to deal with that. <clears throat> but, that but that won't produce happiness. I mean, I appreciate we got schools come here and they wear their culottes and, you know, they're trying not to show a bunch of skin. And, and I get it. I mean, you know, let's not cause people to stumble by the way we carry ourselves. But, but if you think that is going to lead you into the Zoe life, you're wrong. That won't lead you into the Zoe life. 
Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, and God's will will free you to enjoy life. And God's will will free you to experience life. As a matter of fact, let me just make this statement. Any religious thing that you do that doesn't bring you more freedom in Christ, in God. I'm I'm serious. Any religious practice that you do that doesn't bring you more freedom in Christ. Now, I didn't say it was easy because fasting isn't easy. And doing warfare and intercessory prayer isn't easy. It takes a lot of work. And putting down our flesh and our sinful desires isn't easy, right? So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are religious things that we do that aren't easy, but what they will do is they will free us to enjoy more power, more peace, more of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It'll lead us into these things. Jesus said, seek God's kingdom, what? First, and his righteousness. And then all of these things will come to you, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will come to you. They'll be added to your life. Now, here's the important thing you need to know, and especially if you're a young person in here today and you're kind of starting out your life. If you will keep God's will in these respects, God will lead you into all the specific questions that you have. And even for us adults in here, we need to know this too. See, when most people approach the question of knowing God's will for their life, they tend to look at, where am I going to live? Do I go to college? What kind of job am I going to get? Who am I going to marry? What kind of car am I going to drive? You know, what's my life? What's my future going to look like? This is what we tend to focus on. But God's will is much broader, and it encompasses an attitude of life, not just the specifics. You understand? It's not just the specific. It's it's a way of living life in which you glorify God. And so ultimately, it comes back to, here's the key. Here's the key to the Zoe-led life that we're going to be talking about this year. This is the key. You have to trust that the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect for you. You have to trust that. Now, I remember when God began to move on me to come to Arkansas. I had never been to Arkansas. I was from Texas. My mom had come up here to a women's conference that Hetty Lou Brooke, our matriarch, um, had, and she picked up a brochure about Applied Life, our internship for our young adults, and she brought it back. At that time, I was living with two girls. She laid it on my dresser, just came to my house, laid it up there, and I remember seeing that, and this was when it was all kind of unraveling for me. The the end was drawing nigh. (laughs) And I remember seeing that, and I remember saying to myself, or thinking to myself anyway in my heart, I'm going there. Isn't that weird? I mean, I was not living for God at all. I'm going there. And ultimately, within about three weeks' time, school was so close to starting, and God opened up a window of opportunity for me because it was, the guy's side was full, and one of the guy's finances fell through. It just happened to happen that way. And it opened up a spot for me <clears throat> to be able to come, and I'm so grateful for that. 
Now, here's the thing. The way that happened was I was lying in my bed high on cocaine one night, and God spoke to me. I just lost a couple of really good friends to drugs and alcohol. I buried my best girlfriend. I was a pallbearer in her funeral. I lied to her parents and told her how she died because I contributed to her death through drugs. And as I was lying in my bed, God told me, you're next. You're next. If you don't get out of here, you're next. And in my bed that night, out of fear of dying and out of reverence for God and what he just spoke to me, because I knew it was God because I didn't talk to God. I wasn't in church. I submitted myself in that moment to the Lord. I said, God, I'm going to live my life for you. And literally within about three weeks' time, everything changed for my life, and I was here. Now, God, he didn't say, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how it's all going to come about. Here's where you're going to get the money to go. Here's who is going to meet you there. Here's who your roommate's going to be. Here's what's going to happen in the next five years and how it's all going to play out. I didn't get any of that. All I got was is submit. Put my kingdom and my righteousness first. And then guess what, Paul? All these other things I'm going to take care of. And God provided all that for me. Now, if we, if we can just get a hold of this, and we have such a hard time with this, because when we start thinking about God's will, we start thinking about the one, two, three, four, five, all the little specifics of life. And what God is saying is, listen, it's so much simpler than that. You're wearing yourself out with worry. Well, who am I going to marry and where am I going to live and how am I going to make a living? And after the internship's over, where am I going to stay? And, and when we move to Hot Springs, what kind of job am I going to get? And how's all this going to work out? And my health and, and boy, we just, we're wringing our hands, man. I mean, we are just sweating. And then I'm sitting in my chair this morning and I look out my window and my bird feeder's empty. <clears throat> and it's dirty from all the snow and the rain. So y'all know what I do? I get up, I get my bird feeder, I bring it in, I wash it, I clean it all up. Man, it's looking good. I fill it full of bird seed, put it back outside. And then there come the birds. That bird did absolutely nothing for any of that. I mean, they weren't, they weren't at my door going, pick, 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 hey, bro, we're out of seed. Can you get some out here? You know, we've got deer. I've got a deer feeder out back. I fill it full of corn and they go eat it. And the raccoons and crows and everything else, they're all out there feeding. There wasn't a deer, raccoon, or crow knocking at my door. Oh, we're, we're just, uh, we're, <clears throat> not one. And I'm the one that has to charge the battery in the deer feeder. I'm the one that has to go pick up the feed. I fill it up. And guess what? They just enjoy the corn. Church, if we could ever, if we could ever just come to this place, God clothes the flowers. God takes care of the birds. How much more does he care for us? See, come on. 
We got to get this. And, and, and another big part of it is I think we, we, just, we, we don't want to sit down and take time to really talk to God because we're so afraid that God's going to tell us to go do something terrible, like go to Africa and serve me. And we don't even like the heat. You're like, you're that person. It's like, I don't like heat. I don't like, I mean, I'm going to have to go there and live in the heat, in the bush, and eat grub worms. I mean, no, I don't, I don't even want to go there. I mean, you're that person. I want to live in the city, and I want to go to parks, and I like my technology, and this is what I like. But we think that God's will is going to be something that goes against everything about our nature and what we like. And the fact of the matter is, we've got to get a hold of this. God's will for you, if we're talking about specifics now, it's what fits you. See, God's given you certain giftings, certain abilities, certain temperaments. He's given you skill sets. Everybody, everybody, we all have it. Now, it may not be fully developed yet. Now, some of you that have been living for a while, you've developed some of these things. Some of you that are younger, these things are still being developed and revealed to you. But we feel that God's will for us is some terrible thing that we don't want to do, and many are afraid to even take time to listen to what God might tell them because they're afraid because of the way we've been conditioned to think that God's going to have us do something that we don't want to do. And that's just not God. It would be like me taking this iPhone and using it as a paperweight. Now, I could do that, but that's not its intended purpose. I could use my iPhone as a doorstop. I could use it as a hammer, but it's not its intended purpose. See, what God's going to do, He's going to take what He embedded in you, what He gifted you with, what He placed inside of you, and then God's going to have you go and do His will. Do His will. A another example. Anybody here in Hot Springs been to Baskin and Robbins ice cream parlor? Let me see your hands. Wow, we got a lot of ice cream people in this church. How many flavors does Baskin and Robbins have? How many? 31. That's their mantra. Ever since I was a kid, Baskin and Robbins, they got 31 flavors. You go in there, you count. If there's not 31 flavors, you need to say something to somebody because that's how many flavors Baskin and Robbins has. Well, if I were to just gather up a handful of my friends here, and I say, you know, let's just all load up and let's go to Baskin and Robbins and I'm going to buy everybody ice cream at Baskin and Robbins. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to do that. You go buy your own Baskin and Robbins. But let's just say for the illustration that I'm giving, we're all going to go. I take a group of my friends. We go in Baskin and Robbins and we walk in the front door and I say, get whatever flavor you want. Isn't that the way it works? Yes. I mean, it's not like if you're a parent and you take your kid to Baskin and Robbins, you're going to say, okay, now, Judah, you get Tutti Frutti. Emma, you're going to get mint chocolate chip. And Micah, you're going to have to get pistachio. 
It doesn't work like that. Mom and dad, when they take you in, they're going to say, what flavor do you want, right? Now, this is kind of how God's will works. Here's what God says. I've given you your life. I've given you your common sense. I've given you my son. I've given you my word. I've given you the gift of free will, man. I put you in this world, there's a lot of flavors. Pick whatever flavor you want, but listen, as you pick that flavor, do it unto me. Put me first. And if you will, if you will, you can enjoy your ice cream and eat it too. Are y'all hearing me? See, if you seek the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Now, once again, we've got to be careful of our sinful nature because our pride, and this is a big one, this is a big one for people, it's the enemy of the Zoe life. Pride is the ultimate basis for sin. It's the ultimate basis for sin. Y'all know what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. His friends call him Lucy, by the way. I mean, that's not really biblical or anything, but I just, you know, I think that's good. But that's what got Lucifer and all the angels kicked out of God's presence was their pride, their inability to submit their will to God's will. When God, here's how the kingdom of heaven works. When God thinks a thought, it happens. There's no resistance to God's will in heaven. That's why no one will ever enter heaven Remember what Jesus said? Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And Jesus says, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are submitted to because God is not going to allow a rebellious spirit into heaven because it would break the peace of heaven. That's why Lucifer was removed. He couldn't stay. And so it's this submission. It's, it's, it's lowering our pride and being teachable, and being humble. I remember when my boys were growing up, and they go through that stage, and there's parents in here, you have young children, they're in that stage. Why, Dad, why? Dad, why is that squirrel up in that tree? Dad, why is, that, why is the car that color? Dad, why are we going this way? Dad, why did that happen? Dad, why? why, why? I mean, I remember my kids, when they went through that stage, it was why about everything. Even like stuff that was like, to me, it was like, that's a ridiculous question. Why are you asking that? Well, Dad, why is water wet? <laughs> I don't know. But they just, they're just hungry for knowledge. But somewhere along the way, as we begin to grow, we lose that ability to be teachable, to be humble, to be willing to learn. We become stubborn. We think our way is better than God's way. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend upon your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, if you want to be in God's will and have God direct your path, you have to submit. You have to be teachable. You can't just put all of the eggs in the basket of this thing right here. Because sometimes this thing right here is an enemy to that up there. This thing will fight you. It'll fight you. It'll tell you, no, you can't be healed. No, they can't be delivered. 
God can't do that for you. That miracle can't take place. You're undeserving of that. Look at all that you've done. God will never do that for you. See, it robs us from experiencing the Zoe life that God has for us. If you want to be in God's will and you want to have God direct you, you have to submit. You have to be teachable to his plan that is good, pleasing, and perfect. Not easy. I didn't say easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. As a matter of fact, it was hard. But guess what? Look at the legacy that Jesus created. All of us in this room are a result of one man's life. The only reason that we are here is because Jesus submitted to his Father. Not my will, but your will be done. He submitted to his Father. He did the hard thing. He lived the blessed life, and we're all fruit of that life. And that's how we have legacy in our life. This is how we do God's will. Let me close with this. We're either seeking our own fleshly desires this year through our own pleasures or we're seeking his perfect will by abiding in him. And, it, and, and, and it's, not so much, it's not so much what you do that matters to God. And I really want our young people to hear this because I think we get so caught up. You know, when you meet somebody, it's like, hi, my name is Paul. What's your name? My name is Jim. And next question is, well, what do you do? Yep. We ought to be asking, where's your heart? You know, are you connected with God? And I think sometimes we get so focused on what we do, and it's not so much about what we do. God's not so much concerned about what you do. You can dig ditches on the side of the road and get God's attention. Well, that's beneath me. Well, no, it's not. It, it's not about that. I did a lot, a lot of that on my way to doing what I do today. I said this Wednesday night when I preached and I just want to say it again as I close. President John F. Kennedy, he made a statement, a quote, that was really, really powerful, and it was spoken so long ago, but it's still remembered today. And it, it, it's such an awesome mantra for a, a citizen of our country. He said, ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country. Well, if we had a country full of citizens like that, America would be great again. That's what made America great. I think about the World War I generation, the World War II generation, great generations. They sacrificed so much. I think that's why I enjoy watching documentaries and things about that generation because there's just something about those, those men and those women that inspire me and draw me to watch them because they sacrifice so much. But that was their heart. That was their vision. It wasn't about what I can get out of America. It's what I can give back to the America to make America great. What contribution can I make? And just like I think that ought to be the heart of every citizen of the United States of America, I think the heart of every citizen of the kingdom ought to be, ask not what God can do for you. But what will you allow God to do through you? See, in that heart posture is where the Zoe life is going to flow from. That's where we're going to experience the joy and the peace and the love and the gentleness 
and the kindness, and all the good things that flow from the Father of light down to us. So we're excited about this year. We're excited about our vision. And I want to encourage you, make this year, make this year a, in your heart a, a goal of abiding in him, knowing him, experiencing him. And if you'll do that, all of these other things that we tend to put so much focus on and we get so concerned and worried about, God will take care of all that. I don't even know how I ended up doing what I'm doing. There was no way that I had the talent, ability, the giftedness to do any of this. I wasn't smart enough. I'm not even smart enough to stand up here in front of you and tell you any of this. If you guys knew my background, if you knew where I came from, if you knew what I used to be like, you probably wouldn't be sitting there and listening to me preach. But if I knew about some of your stuff too, I probably wouldn't be preaching to you. So we'll just call it all even, right? But I'm just saying what I, what I was smart enough to do though, I was smart enough to trust the Lord and to believe that God loved me and his plan for me was good and pleasing and perfect. And then it all comes together for us. Amen. Did y'all get something out of this? Stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you. God, we submit ourselves to you. God, we submit all of our dreams, our plans. God, we lay that worry down. We pick up faith. And God, we trust that your plan for us is good and pleasing and perfect. That our walk with you, God, is not a list of don'ts. But God, it is life in the spirit. As we live life in relationship with you, we abide in you and your word abides in us. We will bear much fruit. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.